Oh, no, it's, there it goes. Okay. All right, so we're in First Timothy chapter 6, and uh, we've covered, we're coming down to the wire, verses 17 through 19. And, uh, and so um, let's uh, take a t- some time to read that, and then I will review and we'll pick that up and finish this up. First Timothy chapter 6. And verse will be in verse 17. So it says, Charge them, we're still talking about the charge, uh, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that, uh, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against uh, the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which use, uh, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. All right, so um, tonight we're going to talk about uh, you know living large by keeping God's charge. That's what we've been talking about. We saw that we got to be God's man, even if you're a woman, and uh, and now we're looking at delivering God's message or deliver God's message is what we're going to look at. That's what He's being charged to do: uh, deliver this message. And uh, just to cover uh, where we've been, this will help you, Belinda, if you're wanting to fill in all these blanks. Uh, point number. I think you you have point number one, content to serve. I left that in there, I think. Yeah, I did all that. So on point number two uh, was live large by keeping God's charge. Charge is the word there. And then point A is be God's man. Uh, we talked about that in uh, point A. And then um, I, don't, I didn't have a lot of sub points. So point number one is flee these things. Um, and we talked about those things to flee. Uh, false teaching, uh, foolish arguments, ungodliness, discontentment, all that are found in the text there. And then point two, we flee and then we follow. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Follow after righteousness. And the third thing we saw and we picked up last week is fight the good fight of faith. You probably could have guessed that. Second Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And uh, And so... Uh, Paul did that. Uh, point four is uh, be faithful as the man of God. Flee, follow, and fight, and do that faithfully. That's what we talked about last week. So flee, follow, and fight. So a faithful man will do those three things uh, faithfully. And then that brings us to where we are tonight. So, um, And so here we are, deliver God's message, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Uh, In the text there, we'll pick it back up in 17, the word charge, right? Live in large, um, and God's charge. In verse 13, he says, I charge, I give thee charge in the sight of God. Here he says, charge them, right? So those in charge need to give a charge. You've been given the word to give the word, right? He's been given a charge to, he's received a charge to uh, deliver a charge. And so Paul now charges Timothy, um, to charge others to be uh, to be as rich in God in good works. I'm sorry, uh, especially if they are rich in this world. So it's nothing wrong with riches. By the way, people uh, sometimes get that messed up that it, rich people. Somebody had a Maserati in the parking lot today. By the way, speaking of, was that Jesse? Okay, 
All right. I was wondering who that was. Well, good for him. I, I can tell he's a friend of Dave Madden's. So Dave Madden's a uh, a good as a car collector as well. So um, he did mention to me uh, he had a car breakdown. That's probably why he's driving that Maserati. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was a Lexus. He didn't tell me that part. <laughs> well, good for him. I'm I'm glad, I'm glad for Jesse. So. Um, Nothing wrong with having a Maserati or a Lexus, right? You know, no problem with that, uh, or whatever, or even having lots of riches. No problem at all. Uh, the thing is, though, the charge is to be rich in good works, right? Especially if if you have riches, be rich in good works. Nothing wrong with that. Um, God uses people of means. He used uh, wealthy women to help finance the ministry of Jesus. You know, there's nothing sinful about being blessed. Uh, in the Old Testament, of course, that's, that was a sign in the Old Testament of God's blessing. Um, but you can be poor in this world and be just as blessed or more blessed. So it's not in the New Testament. We're not, you know, that that can or can't. You can be cursed with riches too. So it's it's really how you use the, what God gives you. Uh, use whatever you have for the Lord. Poverty or a blessing, as Paul learned to be abased and he learned to abound in everything, right? You just give thanks to the Lord and, and use that. So the wealthy are to be charitable and willing to communicate to those who are in need. So this, is a, this isn't a suggestion, right? This is a charge. So charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. You can have them, but don't get full of yourself and don't put your faith in them. But in the living God, who giveth richly to all, giveth richly all things to enjoy, enjoy Him. That they uh, that they do good, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Right. So you should be willing to utilize those riches. Uh, most of us probably don't understand that, what it is to have that kind of wealth. To where it's like, yeah, just you know, woo. Just I, I have ran into people. Uh, like that, we've had people bless this church that are like you know literally. Um, I can't tell you details, but one time, someone won the lottery, and they were so convicted. <laughs> it was such a burden upon them, you know. And so a large part of that came to Heartland because uh, you know they is it was a lot of money, uh, and they weren't a regular lottery person. But they 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 felt like they went in and they and for them it was a moment they were super conflicted. <laughs> And they were so afraid of people finding out they played the lottery. It's just a terrible burden on them, you know. And so they lived all this out. I, that's what I told them. I said, hey, brother, don't sweat it. Um, you know, it is what it is. And God's blessed you. And he couldn't wait to get rid of all that. <laughs> so uh, it's just fun. It's, it, not, it is kind of funny. And the hard attitude is so incredible that I'm sure God blessed that. And I think God gave him that, probably blessed that guy because he knew that he was going to have that attitude. It's amazing. So he he lived this out. and uh, And so... I don't know how much of that he retained, but I guarantee a, a large, large portion of it did not re- stay in his possession. A good part of it went other places. And part of that is his church. We got blessed by that. So uh, the the wealthy, I'm not advising playing the lottery, by the way. That's a waste of your money. But, uh, you know, God's got a sense of humor. I really do think God has a sense of humor. <laughs> so, uh, so the wealthy are to be charitable and willing to communicate to those who are in need. And uh, including, you know, uh, to the, uh, it says very clearly, distribute willingly to communicate. That communicate means to give. 
Um, and so, and also to, to give out the word. So that's part of HBF seven realities. The second being real Christians are Christ-like. So real Christians are Christ-like. They're obedient Christians that resemble Christ. They reflect. We reflect diversity. Reproduce spiritually. Respond cheerfully. Taken from second uh, second. Corinthians chapter 8, right? We want to respond cheerfully like the Macedonians. We want to have a giving attitude of our time, our talent, our treasure. So responding cheerfully simply means we're willing to give of ourselves and substance when God calls us to. Uh, if you're rich in this world, take heed not to love money more than people. That's a good, another good way of looking at it, right? If you love your finances more than people, you have a misplaced priority. Because Jesus didn't die for the banks. He died for people. Um, and so uh, that's a good way to assess uh, really what you love, what you invest in. We should invest in people more than um, the finance. That's why people that are actually successful in business do put their employees first. Sam Walton initially was a big, uh, his corporation was based on that, and his, his workers were shareholders and all of that. And, of course, God blessed that. And uh, now it's just a big corporate mess, and they're all, and they're all like that. Amazon, and uh, when you get squeezed by a company and you know they don't care about you, what's it do? It affects morale, and uh, people start bailing out, and it, and it creates a nasty culture. And so, um, people don't was that people don't know care what you know till they know that you care, and uh, and that's that's just a principle, and it's actually based in the Bible, right? If people that have means should make sure that they value people ahead of the means that they have. There's nothing wrong with having the means. They just have to have the right priority and a value of the ministry because ministry is about people as well. Okay, point four. The best investment is eternal investment in the Word of God and the souls of men. So that's no surprise. When we get to verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Okay, so here we have, uh, you know, Paul's no fool. He's been around the block. And uh, and uh, he can you know he can he can hang out with kings or he can you know he can hang out with tent makers so he's pretty diverse in his social networking and he knows these type of people that uh, Timothy's charging they're going to get an ROI understanding on this thing they they understand return on investment so he that, verse nineteen that's really what he's giving them is is giving them a uh, a prospectus right it, this is what you, if you really want to be a good steward of resources since you have so much means uh, make sure you lay up in store for. You know, you know, for yourself. He's not saying for me or for you, Timothy, but they need to understand themselves is the word used there. They need to understand that they need to lay it up for themselves, a good foundation against the time to come. And of course, when we think about foundation, you can't help but think of uh, the foundation, which is Christ, right? And so, um, so notice again, Paul uses the phrase, lay hold on eternal life. And when God repeats Himself, we got to pay attention. So, what are we grasping on, right? What are we What are we laying hold of? The brass ring, uh, or the gold and silver, and the precious stones that are found in Christ, right? Is it the earthly riches or the heavenly riches, the spiritual riches that we find in Christ? Christ is our foundation. He is where all the the resources come from. Uh, Even if we build upon that foundation, gold, silver, and precious stones, uh, of course, they're coming from Christ, uh, who giveth the element. You need wisdom, you need to ask for wisdom. If you need open doors to speak, he'll give them to you. Ask, and he'll give you doors of utterance. Uh, If you need boldness to speak, he'll give you boldness, right? And so just doing those basic things and interceding, 
interceding uh, and, and asking God to help you lay upon that foundation uh, so you have something at the judgment seat of Christ is well within our grasp. So someone that is rich in this world, as he's charging Timothy particularly uh, to speak to, will understand verse 19 because he's giving them an idea of what you need. You know what it's like to be wealthy on earth and what steps you need to go through there. So make sure you do the same thing for eternity. right? And you can do that in part by utilizing the riches that God has given you for the kingdom of God's sake. Now, he didn't say that exactly there, but that's what's being inferred. And so the message is simple. There's no one or nothing that is more valuable or more powerful or more impactful in time and eternity than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, our foundation. Right. So that has to be our, the thing we value is our relationship with Christ above all else. Okay, so point C. And we're, we're almost there. Um, so live large by keeping God's charge. Be God's man. <clears throat> Deliver God's message. Right. This charge has been given. Uh, it's been received and now it's to be given. And then lastly, in verses 20 and 21, uh, maintain God's ministry. So he kind of switches uh, uh, you know, the tone here and he says, Oh, Timothy. Uh, keep that which is commended or committed, sorry, to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, uh, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Uh, grace be with thee, Amen. And then uh, this, interestingly enough, uh, if you have in the in, in the at the um, at least in the Oxford, it says first, the first to Timothy was written from Laodicea. Uh, which is the chiefest city of Phrygia, uh, Pasatenia. I think that's how you say it, Pasatenia. So, interesting that this epistle was written from Laodicea, if that is correct. All right, so um, this, is a, this, this uh, is a personal charge. So, point one, this is personal. So, we've come full circle to our inheritance to, uh, to the book. We have seen Paul's instruction to Timothy from 1 Timothy 1.18. Uh, to war a good warfare. Now, Paul makes it very personal and says, Oh, Timothy, right? Oh, Timothy, uh, you're my son in the Lord, right? That's how we open this thing up. And, I, and man, Timothy, I care about you. So uh, keep that which is committed to thy trust, right? We're talking about rich people. Now I'm talking to you because you have the riches. You have the word of God. Um, and then this is practical as well. It's personal and it's practical. Keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid all the arguments, the profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. Boy, is that not practical? That was practical to Timothy, but boy, as you look at where this was written from, <laughs> Laodicea, that is, you know, obviously Jesus has a double entendre there. We know that today is a is a great uh, a great time to make sure that we don't get caught up in silly discussions of science falsely so called. There's so much nonsense going on today uh, that's blatantly uh, and very clearly uh, absurd, right? That you could get and can get caught up in. I think it's best just to stick with biology, true science, not not science falsely so called, but science, right? There are males, there are females. God created it this way, right? It's just God has set up the DNA, the genome. We get it. We get it. We don't need a, another class on it. We get it. Uh, we just got to go with what God's already given us. Because today we can get up in all kinds of arguments about all kinds of stuff. It's nonsense. Anyone that's so absurd to believe that someone is whatever they think they are, uh, you know, gender dysphoria, whatever, and take that seriously, is it's absurd. 
Um, and so, so you say, well, but man, Brian, that causes big problems. It is causing big problems because it's absurd. And we just need to call that out. This is absurd. Uh, my whole life, uh, my whole life, my whole, my children's lives, I should say, my whole, my children's lives, one of the things uh, in practical, uh, a practical example of this is the issue of homosexuality. Uh, so we were, we saw a movie where they were, uh, the way homosexu- homosexuality was addressed was uh, derogatory, which culturally the, was the way it was. I don't remember what movie we were looking at, um, but it was probably 20-plus years old, whatever this movie was. And um, um, I don't even remember uh, what it was. But um, it was in the context of the time, which wasn't that long ago, and homosexuality was looked at as uh, men being effeminate. Um, you know, it wasn't what masculinity was about it wasn't appropriate it wasn't you know it just was a by people were it just was not you know acceptable in society um it wasn't christian and it wasn't the right attitude toward people who struggled with uh that kind of perverse sin so i'm not condemning i'm not condoning actually that attitude the point i bring up though is that uh, my my children were raised in a different environment um i was raised in that old environment right uh, culturally you didn't have to be a Christian to know that. Now it's changed in the in the culture. If you criticize perversion, you know you are a hater, um, and and so you have to be clear of what you're talking about um, in regard to people. This has troubled me all the way since I was a baby Christian back in the in my teens, late teens, and early twenties. When uh, the first time this occurred to me was, I was on—I remember I was on I-70 right out in front of Royal Stadium on my way to work one morning, and it was the, this. But this news came out about um, they found a genetic um, a disposition to homosexuality. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that. This was like 1990, probably, or something like that, or 1989, and um, <clears throat> and maybe it was 91, and it hit the headlines. And man, it wasn't even out. 24 hours and James Dobson's on the radio and boy he's going after it and he's combating all of that um, and uh, I'm in my car driving down the road I wasn't the least bit alarmed if they did find a genetic component because the Bible tells us that your mind is changed right Does, if you're given over to a reprobate mind I'm like well maybe God changes something and when somebody goes so far I was just totally looking at it through a biblical lens I had I wasn't thinking about it from you know the genetic side of things. I just was dumb enough to like believe the Bible. I think within 48 hours of that whole thing blowing up, I don't know. It wasn't very long. All of a sudden, they find oh well, that's actually not accurate. Every that's that was inaccurate. You know, da da da. Um, it really isn't. Uh, there it really isn't a, a predisposed genetic marker. And so the whole thing just kind of blew over. But it helped me think. It helped me think a little bit, just that whole discussion and watching James Dobson rush in, you know, to defend this position. And, and, I, and it, it brought me back to the genetic, the real genetic problem, uh, which has helped me ever since then, is Adam. That's where our genetic problem began, right? Is when the fall, something happened at the fall and we have genetically been predisposed to sin. So if there's a genetic marker, it could go back to Adam. It's that simple. And if, if I would have been charged to answer that question, that's what I would have been said. I would have said, well, yeah, it's part of the fall. It's not what God intended. It's clear by the Word of God that's not what God intended. So if there, if there were a genetic marker saying that, that this is your, your predisposition genetically, well, okay. Because um, we're all predisposed to sin genetically. You can, that's true. Right? 
Right? You don't have to teach a child. So that's helped, that helped me practically in regard to how I've raised my children. I still have to say this. In an age with science falsely so called, uh, where your kids are being bombarded with all this nonsense, frankly, uh, about sexuality, identity, because they're wanting to transition people into, you know, cyborgs eventually. That's really what they're going to do is try to, that's what Iron Mix with Clay is all about. So um, uh, eventually that's going to be part of it. But anyway, um, um, I just taught my kids from a young age. I, I, I was intentional about saying that is sexual perversion. This is sexual perversion. Sexual perversion is sexual perversion. It doesn't matter if it's adultery. It doesn't matter if it's fornication. It doesn't matter if it's homosexuality. It doesn't matter if it's the next one's coming down the road, bestiality, right? Because once you get this thing going, you know, it just keeps going. You know, there's no no limits to how wicked all this gets. And so, uh, so it's just sexual perversion. It's all sexual perversion. The standard is God's word. At some point, you just have to say the standard is is the is the standard. This is what God designed, and the rest of this is perversion. Um, we don't sit around this. We don't do it in our churches. We don't do it in our society. We don't have people walk around saying, you know, I, I'm an adulterer. I, I identify as an adulterer. Nobody does that. Or any, yeah, and there's a number of things we could identify as. I don't know why people didn't have to identify their whole personage with their sexual behavior or the NIE perversion. You know, but that's again, that's uh, that's where we are, and they're basing it in in, in pseudo arguments. They're not even science. Uh, it's just ridiculous. So we're in this absurd world, you know. And Christians have to be wise not to get caught up in that. For starting in our minds, in our hearts. So and and then with our children, we have to be clear. This is this, and make it simple enough they can get it. Uh, there's this, and then there's perversion. Right, and this is all perverse. It's no, it's not okay. Um, I don't care what your teacher says. I don't care what the society says. The Bible says that's perversion, and and so that's a language they're not learning. By the way, in school, that's a whole that's a that's a way to frame things that they're not. It's unique to you as a parent. They're not going to school and hearing anybody talking about perversion and perverted behavior. And so, uh, so it helps you. And I'm not saying you have to use the word perverted. That's the one I've chosen. But uh, parents really need to understand kind of the battle you're in, so you can frame it in a way, in a simple way that your kids can kind of process all of this garbage being thrown at them. Because it it's not easy, you know. The majority of parents aren't doing anything, and they're with, they're in the perversions themselves. Well, we're all perverts at some level, for sure, in our flesh. And then some are given to that because they're lost or they're Christians that are not walking in the Spirit. So, for sure. Uh, And that's why we need to walk in the Spirit. We can only expect Christians to act like Christians. So lost people are going to act like lost. Dogs act like dogs. That's another just simple way to to help our kids understand. uh, You know, that's another thing that's maddening, right, Um, is is sexual perversion is sexual perversion. So, um, yeah. People are going to, you let any sinner go long enough, they can cross all kinds of boundaries. That's what Romans 1 is all about. So, um, don't get me wrong, some are, some are more deadly than others and damaging. But at the end of the day, um, it's all just sexual perversion. And you're right, parents, a lot of parents, I would hope the parents in our church, though, would, would not be uh, given over to that. And if, and if they are, they're doing what they can to flee. Uh, flee that 
right, and to get help and so on and so forth. So we have to have some compassion because, you know, Romans 7, some people, you know, struggle. And we all, some people, all of us struggle in different ways. So let's just be honest. I mean, God's created us um, uh, with a, a, a just a biological capacity to reproduce, uh, and the devil wants to pervert that. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. And so we're we're living increasingly, increasingly like we learned at the marriage conference, which they, you guys were there. So I'm like, I don't want to repeat myself, but you know, that's one of the things that was brought up at James DeCoker. He a couple times mentioned that we do live in an increasingly sexualized uh, world. So it's just it's just putting gas on the on the natural flame that God's already given. So it uh, it needs to be contained, and the Word of God's the only water that's going to be effective, you know. And so, um, yeah. I'm kind of getting off. I wasn't in all, all that wasn't in my notes, but uh, you do need to make it practical, you know, because we live in this time when man, we got to keep the word of God. It's been committed to our trust, and and there's all these profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science falsely so called. Uh, how many outside of this this direction we just went with the the science falsely so called? There's also just the uh, vain questions of the Word of God that have to do with authority. Authority is also under complete attack, uh, rather at every level. You know, in the uh, Romans 13, at the government level, in the family unit level, in the local church level, it's all all authority. Uh, of course, is subject uh, to, and this isn't new, right? Um, we've gone through this before. Um, subject to, you know, impun impunity. Again, the only authority that we we got to start with the final authority, which is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible, unapologetically. Um, and so, uh, for Christians, it's pretty simple. You know, Paul didn't write five more pages; he just a little short couple words. <laughs> you know, hey, final, oh Timothy, this is very personal. It's got to be personal to you, son, and it's got to be practical. And lastly, this is powerful. This is powerful. Only the authorized version will use the word science. I don't have another version available. I wish I, I should have brought one. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm tempted to... I don't... Yeah, if somebody wants to grab a version and look up this verse and see what it comes up with, because I, I don't have the... It's, I don't have the, the, the other... Yeah, give us New King James, if you got it. Which verse are we looking at? The last... Uh, science, uh, verse 20. ESV would be great. That's the hot. That's the hot uh, Calvinist Bible on the market right now. Critical text all the way. Ninety-two percent of that is RSV. Yeah. You know I I did not know that New Revised Standard Version, yeah. American version of the RSV. It's like HIV. I guess. I don't know. So. <laughs> That is interesting. Just rebranded and resold. That's how that works. It's all about marketing. So as that's being looked up, there, today there's all kinds of false assumptions from evolution to environmentalism. That's another one we could talk about. Science falsely so-called. Um, the scripture has the answers to all of them. Yet the straw arguments and oppositions uh, are going to continue to rage on until the Antichrist shows up to bring supposed final solution. And emphasis on final solution, that's been tried in history before. Uh, so Paul abruptly 
ends the letter, stating some, some have professed these false eroded um, uh, concerning the faith. Uh, th- then says, Grace be with thee. Amen. Did anybody grab that yet? I got it. Okay. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Knowledge, yeah. Falsely called knowledge. Falsely called knowledge. So God knows what he's talking about. That's why God used the word science there. Yeah. So, uh, so grace be with thee. I don't want to overlook that. Grace be with thee. Amen, right? We want to have grace. So uh, it's grace uh, is grace with you, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. There's no more valuable, uh, nothing more valuable, nothing or no one else is eternal. And there's no nothing more powerful uh, other than it all starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. So we live large by keeping God's charge, right? Be God's man, deliver God's message, maintain God's ministry. So that's where we want to we want to end. Uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, I used to use this on every prayer letter uh, I would send. It's, I think it's still, uh, no, I changed it. It used to be at the end of my emails. Um, it's, uh, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. When we started Heartland, it was like, I have no way in the world knowing how God's going to do all this. But he does. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Nothing. I'm not a Calvinist, that, but ultimately... God does get it all done, somehow, some way. We were just uh, in the pastor meeting talking about the twenty-somethings, um, and uh, you know we have we were talking about some of them and some that are coming and, <coughs> and some guests that are coming and some considering Heartland and you know we need that. This church needs it. I don't personally need twenty-somethings, and you may not personally need twenty-somethings, but this church needs twenty-somethings. Um, and in history, we've needed them before, and God has brought them somehow, some way, out of wherever they come from. And today, if you're just in this building today, there's 20-somethings of us walking in the door off the street. We literally had a person walk in. God has called me to come here. And, uh, and you know, anyway, God God knows, right? Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He will take care of things. But we need to be good stewards, of what he's given us, and uh, if he can, you know, if he can trust us with it, he'll give it to us. That's what it boils down to. So we need to be good stewards and uh, make sure we're investing in the right things and be good stewards of the ministry. And I know you guys are. So thanks for coming tonight. Sorry for the delay. We had some. Uh, I'm not. We. I just so you know, seriously, we were having. Jeff's a witness. It's a pretty serious discussion. So we needed to finish our thought and uh, before I came in. So forgive me for that. Yeah, Ron. Yeah, I do need to turn off that recorder. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to get together. We pray a blessing on the opportunity to uh, uh, just look at your word tonight. Lord, I, I'm, I need to remember these things that I'm saying um, and see this in the word of God. Uh, and take heed of the things that I teach uh, because it's important that, uh, uh, Lord, they're just from the word of God. These principles are the things that, that uh, you've given all of us to apply. And, Lord, uh, Help us to be rich in, in, in the things that matter in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, for you know physical riches. Um, those are a blessing, too, and you use them, uh, Lord. Um, we have a, a trimmer uh, that we need to get the Bibles out. Lord, uh, there's things that are going to be happening around the, the property. Uh, you'll be refreshing the walkway. Uh, that's a safety issue and also a stewardship issue. Lord, uh, the, the flooring, things that will eventually burn. But, Lord, I pray, God, that even those things, 
would work out to the furtherance of the gospel, that everything that we do, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we do all to the glory of God. And thank you, Lord, for the resources uh, that, that you have provided for all of those things. We praise you and we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.